Hi there, this is Daniel Eccles, and you're listening to the Learned Opportunity Podcast. We're here to help you gain more opportunities in your personal and professional life. Today's guest is John Blythe, and John Blythe is the vice president at a company called Combined Curiosity. He's vice president of engineering. And really, when you think of people development, I don't really think that you normally think of engineers as being people-focused. But John Blythe definitely is a people-focused engineer. He is all about cross-pollination, taking truth from multiple areas of life in order to find opportunities, and showing people where to look instead of showing them what to look at is one of his management styles. Uh, And then we also will end up talking a little bit about trusting the process, how opportunity isn't necessarily at the end, the product, but it's a part of the process that we go through. And that's where you find opportunity is in the middle, in between the the start and the end goal. And, And so we'll talk a little bit with John Blythe about that now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you this next time. And let's go to John Blythe. Hi there. This is your host, Daniel Eccles, the Learned Opportunity Podcast. I'm here today with John Blythe. John, he is the Vice President of Engineering at Combined Curiosity. I just really liked that name. That's how I actually f- figured it out and, and reached out. Was uh, I'm like, what in the world? I'm curious about there you go. Combined Curiosity. He's an avid meme enthusiast. I've only been following him on LinkedIn for a little bit, and he can use meme. Yeah. Builds people, playbooks, platforms in that order. Uh, we'll probably ask you a little bit what that means but yeah john thank you so much for coming on hey you bet thanks for having me introduce yourself to listeners what's important for them to know about you first off i think it goes straight to the heart of who i am to lead with it's not important to know anything about me Mm -hmm. or to know me at all but i'm happy to be here and hopefully some of my experience and story and meandering thoughts can be of value to to other people so i think that's who i am in a nutshell I, i try to drive impact and value wherever i can Awesome. That's really neat. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Built People, Playbooks, Platforms. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so great question. I'm in tech. I've been in tech for about a decade, dabbled in it before that, whenever I first saw John Mayer's sophomore album's website and thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, I was 15 or so at the time, and that got Mm -hmm. me into web development, and it just grew from there, and we'll probably loop back to that kind of general trajectory that my life has had in terms of how my opportunities have arisen. But yeah, it's the tech is secondary to me, even though it's my job Mm. to to make it primary in a sense. But the reality is that humans are what's hard, not tech. Mm. We are sending Teslas to Mars, for goodness sake. Uh, Most of anything that that we can imagine needing to be done is going to happen. But the consistent through line, in my opinion, that whether you're at Salesforce or Netflix or a brand new startup that is problematic and cuts through is human problems. And when people are set up to succeed and to unlock their greatest potential and to be happy and thriving, then you've really got something. And then beyond that, you need some guardrails, you need some playbook, you need some process. I am not by any means a red tape type of process oriented Mm. person, but I I have begun finding myself saying that while process can't fix every problem, it usually can help 
any problem that doesn't have a process. And so just getting people aligned where they need to be in the right context, in the right environment to thrive, set up to succeed with the tooling and the resources and the development opportunities. Every time I say the word opportunity, I'm now going to flag that in my mind. <laughs> like, oh, there we go. And then giving the process or the playbook for how mm. to run things when it's uh, first and 50 versus you're in the red zone, that you have different plays that are more likely to succeed given certain variables in life. And there's no reason to reinvent playbooks. There's lots of good ones out there that you can get creative with and make your own. But there's lots of human experience that mm. we can borrow from throughout history, whether it be somebody who's living right now but on the other side of the globe or somebody who was around 2,000 years ago. There's a rich source of information and playbooking, so to speak, that can help guide those people. And then finally, if you get those two things, the product or the platform that you're building, again, this is me speaking from a very tech-oriented mm. uh, position, that will more or less solve itself. So that that's what that means, and that's why I emphasize, I think this is in my LinkedIn profile or somewhere, uh, in that order. Yeah. Because if you flip it, you know, the sequencing is very important. Just if you're baking a cake, you don't get to just willy-nilly put the ingredients in. Mm. Even if they're the right measurements, there is something to the sequence that gets it the right consistency, the right flavor, texture, all those sorts of things. I think that really, yeah, flipped is the problem that mm -hmm. is happening a lot of times when people are searching for opportunities. Mm -hmm. So you can build the technology for yeah. opportunities to be out there for yeah. you. But if people don't know how to access it or mm -hmm. a, a playbook or a process in order to interact with mm -hmm. that platform like LinkedIn or other things, it, it's basically useless and yeah. it's not going to actually give opportunities to anybody uh, that is seeking them. It definitely needs to start people first, people-centered development, people-centered design of those sort of things. I really like that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit too about combined curiosity and, and about the work that you're doing there right now. Yeah. So we are trying to help people uh, take on the very arduous task of learning hobbies. <laughs> and I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, yeah. uh, but it's true, too. Yes. Like anybody, especially you know, adults who have tried to, for the first time ever, pick up a guitar mm. or I've tried to do houseplants the last couple of years, like so many people during the, the pandemic. Uh-huh. Baking bread is a huge... Baking bread yeah. was another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that stuff's hard. And it's hard to pick up these new skills, just like a new language, uh, later in life. And there's a certain kind of trajectory in terms of learning and, again, sequencing of how you learn something, how you eat the elephant, so to speak, mm -hmm. that we really want to help build a portfolio of brands and creators who facilitate that for adults. Uh, so we are very much not helping people develop professionally. This isn't where you go to learn code. Mm -hmm. We're not helping people learn another language even, though that could be adjacent to a hobby. It's things that have no purpose, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's just culture, which is another way of saying, in my mind, we're helping people climb Maslow's hierarchy towards that self-actualization. Mm, and kind yeah. of the upshot of this is get off of Twitter, get off of CNN, get off of these noise mm -hmm. machines that we have, whether it be social media or traditional media. Uh, stop fighting <laughs> at the Thanksgiving table. Go play piano instead because you learned how to play piano now. Yeah. Lead your family in a hymn or into a Christmas carol or whatever it is. People who invest in themselves in these ways, I guess it may be a great phrase I love that applies here is a glass can only spill what it contains. Hmm. And when you're investing in yourself and enriching your life through these enjoyable hobbies that have no end, you know, it's about the journey, it's about the process, you are being enriched and inevitably will have that to give to others. And so trying to create this flywheel, yeah. this virtuous cycle of just self-improvement in ways that are not directly tied to you know, 
financial incentives or yes. so many things that drive our society nowadays. It's not about likes. It's not about money. Mm-hmm. It's about you. Which are, are the things that usually people think about when it comes to opportunities, career, yeah. finance, fame, yeah. perhaps, things yeah. like that. But there's so much opportunity when it comes to just life fulfillment, yeah. enjoying yourself. And and that adds to the other things with an opportunity like community mm-hmm. and relationships. You start playing piano, what an opportunity to get into a new community yeah. to foster relationships, yeah. to add something um, instead of continuing to just consume. I I love that a lot, especially you pulled out Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Counselor and me is like, very good. Nice. Let's talk about that. (laughs) That's a great point for sure. But it's holistic, right? If you are only focusing on the professional development, there's still going to be some things that are missing in in your life. You're not going to be fully satisfied. You need the fun, Mm -hmm. the hobbies, the relationships, the philosophy even. And that's the human experience. Exactly. If you're doing the opposite on the other side and just looking at the fun, then you're not going to to find opportunities in the professional either. So what what hobbies are are you uh, doing? Do you get to practice what you uh, are working on? For sure. So I, you know, looping back to that John Mayer website thing, I, was playing music at a young age, and John Mayer was my little idol as a middle schooler and, and high schooler in terms of trying to learn guitar, and he was just a great person to, to look to. And so I play a handful of instruments. I gig around town to, to try to keep music alive for me. Do yoga, I play soccer, I do bouldering. Yeah, I define, I, I describe myself as infinitely curious, and mm. so combined curiosity was certainly a good fit for for my makeup and who I am. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of things have surprised you about some of these other activities that you've done? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm surprised that I like soccer. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Did you not think that you would? I didn't. Yeah. Huh. Like that was just something I did as a kid. And then never again, I played flag football with CCA here in town. Last play of the game. That was the last game of the season. I had a traumatic tip-fib fracture, like a oh. dual fracture. And so a year later, after recovering and everything, I thought, let's go back out there, baby. Let's face the fears. And I tried to sign up, but there wasn't a big enough uh, group of free agents. Uh, so then a friend of mine said, come play soccer with us instead. I played it. It was okay. Uh, I didn't love it, but I like being active and moving. So then I tried it again. COVID hit. I think the next season, and then once things were starting to recede a bit, I jumped in again and then really started to enjoy the sport for some of the, I don't know, things. I, I got into it enough to where I could enjoy some of those second layers, yeah. got, mm-hmm. got deeper into it and could appreciate the, the art and the finesse. The and, movements exactly. and, yeah, yeah, strategy. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. It's been surprising to enjoy all those things because I didn't expect to and wasn't yeah. planning on it and didn't grow up uh, doing any of those. Those are all within the last year and a half for me. I'm surprised that I'm a decent yogi now. <laughs> uh, More power to you. Yeah. I, I just have such a hard time getting into yoga sort of yeah. stuff. My wife will try to yeah. have me do some yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Uh, so maybe the, the hack for me, I don't know if I could do it on YouTube alone. Okay. I, I go to the gym by myself. I don't have a gym buddy to motivate me. That's just part of something I've done for years now. I'm okay with it. But yoga, either because it's new or because it's hard, it, it, that'd be way too slow for me. Going to hot yoga at the yoga studio in Broad Ripple, mm. they'll blast some m M&M. You got some beats dropping while you're doing your downward dog and all this you stuff. You don't really expect that. Yeah. And so like my mind doesn't get to race. Whereas slower paced yoga, I've done a couple times it's more painful because it's more, uh, mm. frankly, meditative. 
my my brain does not like to slow down. <laughs> I know I need it, but uh, it's, it's, it's probably good. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's not the norm or exactly. what you're used yeah. to. Yeah. Mm, it's, so these other activities, how surprising! Like you never thought you'd get into soccer and. Yeah. Also, the yoga stuff, it stretches you Mm -hmm. and gives you more depth as an individual. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I very much like to cross-pollinate information across domains. I I firmly believe that there's truth that cuts through the universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm There will be something that I'm talking to one of my engineers about at work, and I'll yank something out of a blues progression, or maybe it's a yoga huh. thing, or there's always a former colleague who used to call me the chief analogy officer. I just, <laughs> I love using analogs from different domains that can help drive a point or a truth home that really is undergirding huh. both areas of interest. So, That's really cool. Yeah. 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 I, I, I could see that. I use the analogy. I did improv comedy in college oh. and just the truth that life is a lot more like the, the first rule of improv is yes. And yeah. yeah. Um, so taking that and putting it into, to, mm-hmm. to other areas of life instead of having these the dualism right. of some things yep. when it comes to counseling and a client might be up against something. Yeah. Like, you can be sad and, yeah. <laughs> yes, and yep. this other emotion can be present at the same time. For sure. So, yeah, I really like that. That's, that's really cool. I've got a ampersand uh, piece of art on my wall for that very purpose. Mm. Whenever I was going through one of the hardest times in my life, I realized I, I need to stare at that every day and think yes and yeah what's next because I, I don't get to say no life is moving forward when we're yeah together, and i don't have control over this all i can do is say and lean into it so mm. love that that's great that's really great where have you continued to, to start seeing opportunity in either your professional life or your personal life yeah everywhere i guess tagging into the personal since I just dangled that thread out. My birthday was last week. I had a friend ask, what's been your favorite Mm. batch of years or favorite decade? I turned 35, so I'm only halfway through this decade, but I told her this one. Mm. It's been the hardest by far. The last five years have been just grueling in lots of ways, but they've been the richest. And I think the reason is because all the opportunity that difficulty creates. There is just, this could be a terrible analogy, I feel like, because I'm not a great cook, but whenever you're letting all of the, when you're browning meat and the extra heat is hurting it in a sense, but it's also what gives all that flavor and traps it in there, makes it more moist, more juicy, more flavorful. And Victor Frankl, uh, Holocaust survivor, multiple Holocaust survivor, just a complete bad to the bone guy and brilliant. He has that quote about between, what's the word he uses? I'm sorry. Between the, I think I have it written down here. So Victor Frankl, the Holocaust survivor, talks about between the impulse and the response, there's there's a gap, there's mm. a moment. Mm. And I think for me, when I hear opportunity, that's it right there. And that that is only it. And so many people are looking for this kind of Instagramified mountaintop and peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's not how opportunity works at all. Can you, now you can hear it, can we yeah. put this and plug that into a situation? For sure. Um Tom Brady. I'm a Colts fan. You gotta <laughs> hate him, but I also you have to respect him. And this guy was what uh, number two hundredth or three hundredth pick, thirteenth round. Looks like a soft college boy, and his draft picture is not a chiseled, just beast of a of an athlete. He's sitting on on the bench as the backup for what two or three years. And then he gets the opportunity. We would say whenever mm-hmm. his quarterback gets injured, and it's like, no, that's not the opportunity. 
that is the culmination of a lot of opportunities that he took every advantage of leading yeah. up to that moment. Yes. When he was practicing extra hard, when he was putting in the reps with no indication that it would matter. Mm-hmm. Zero. But he trusted the process. And when the moment came, that's typically where we attach opportunity. But that's just one part, this one pearl in this string of pearls that's, that is his yes. life and now great career. And you look at somebody like Frankel, you know, again, two, holo- two different Holocaust camps, one of them Auschwitz. He wrote his logotherapy book in his mind while he's there to keep him hopeful, to keep him alive, yeah. to keep him moving forward. You got James Stockdale, the, the prisoner of war that was um, shot down in Vietnam. It was prisoner of war for seven and a half years. Mm. And he had basically memorized the writings of Epictetus and used his stoicism to get through multiple broken legs while other colleagues are dying. He's sitting there being tortured more than anybody else. He's because he, he was his ranking and whatnot put through the flames there. And he comes out on the other side and he says it was an opportunity. Hmm. He was able to leverage every single moment. And short of somebody taking your life, you have an opportunity between the impulse, between the response. Hmm. That's yours. You don't get to choose what happens to you, but you get to choose what you do with that. And what you do with that ends up leading to these potential mountaintops. It may not, though. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people are waiting for that big moment. But if you're not putting in the reps, if you're not laying each brick day by day, moment by moment, you're just simply not going to get there. And there's this Sorites paradox, S-O-R-I-T-E-S, and it's an ancient Greek paradox of when does a grain of sand become a mound you just add a grain of sand add a grain of sand add a grain Mm. of sand add a grain of sand at some point somebody's gonna be like oh look at that mound of sand but at what point you you don't know like there isn't a certain threshold but there is this qualitative change that occurs due to the quantitative change that just Mm. over time builds up and that's the opportunity you have an opportunity every moment to drop a little grain of sand in and suddenly you look back, you introduce me, and I've got this title that I'm like, how did I get that? How am I yeah. in this position? It's because I got curious with John Mayer's website and start tinkering. And over the course of 10 or 15 years, kept staying curious. And I, I frankly, and that will pivot over into the, the professional opportunity, I, I haven't really mindfully had a career path. I'm not saying that's the best route. <laughs> I'm not advocating that. I've been very fortunate. I, I feel incredibly blessed in my life. I feel like that's hopeful, though, because a lot of people feel that they don't have opportunities if they mm-hmm. don't have it all set out and planned yeah. in, in their mind. Yep. So I, it's not a bad thing for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, and so I have more of a curious path than yeah. a career path, and it's driven me through multiple types of careers. I was in nonprofit and church world down south before moving up here. I've done music. I've done uh, tech. And I found my home in tech and have decided to go deep on that, which is where I'm still at now. But yeah, the the opportunity is really just what is driving you right now. I think you mentioned earlier values. And so you got to know who you are and let that lead you instead of just waiting for this big moment to arrive and trust the process. And again, when you trust the process, I think it's James Clear who talks about this. Do you want to be the person who ran a 5K or do you want to be the kind of person who runs every day? Because if you're the latter the first part is going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. If you only have a checkbox, then what what happens after that? What's the day after? Are you still a runner or no? You ran your 5K, you ran your marathon, whatever the goal was. Yeah. But who are you truly and deeply? And if you focus on that, then where you, where you end up is going to be incidental. 
and you're going to be satisfied either way. It may work out where you're Tom Brady and the greatest quarterback of all time, or maybe not, but you didn't hang all your hopes on this one moment that never came. Mm. You invested in yourself, whatever that looked like, professionally or personally, and you're enriched regardless. He could have been the best backup quarterback ever, <laughs> and that would have not been as cool of a story, yeah. sure. Yeah. But he would have still been just as satisfied because he's the kind of person who finds pleasure yeah. in doing the work. And that's so opportunity to me, winding all the way back, is all about your outlook. It's all about how you see the world. It's not any particular mm -hmm. thing itself. It's mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Growth mindset for sure. Having an opportunity mindset. Yeah. And, and that is all identity formation. Instead mm -hmm. of who's going to be able to run more than one 5K is the person that's just a runner. Not yeah. somebody that's training for a 5K because it's just a part of who they are and mm -hmm. what they do. And it's just a natural reaction, yep. uh, a natural response. Yeah. Because that's that's what I was thinking about, too. When talking about, what was it, Frankel? It was from the, to a response? The, uh, the impulse, between the impulse and the, and the response. There, between the impulse moment. and the response. I think opportunity comes from response, but we're too busy reacting instead mm -hmm. of responding yep. with the difference being yep. a reaction is not planned. It does not think about values. It does not consider what is present at that time. It, it, you need to respond takes preparation. It takes being present, aware, and calm. Yep. And that's where you'll find opportunities. You can have that calm, aware presence compared yep. to uh, the chronic anxiety that reaction mm -hmm. produces. Yeah. Uh, or that reaction is a, a process, yeah. a, a product of. And you yeah. tend to get more of the same. Not to put any sort of mystical woo-woo on this, but I've never done a podcast before, besides whenever I was like 19, I told you about. Yeah, I, yeah. 2006 uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, forever ago. <laughs> uh, but I've never been a guest on a podcast. It was a little bit wild that you email whatever inbox at Combined Curiosity because it was a week after I'd agreed to do one in Boston randomly. Huh. And this cuts through all the different major religions, and then there's just great life coaches who have different quips about this. And the way Jesus put it was, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Mm. And you know, that can sound callous in our modern ears and certain vectors, sure, but it, it's interesting how when you see the opportunities that are in front of you and you take them, you end up finding more on the other side of that mm -hmm. door. And when you don't, it tends to spiral in the other direction. Mm. There, there is this sort of more of the same, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why we have to create these great structures and process yes. and disciplines to where you're doing the boring, consistent stuff, Tom Brady-esque, until the moment arrives. Now you're ready for it. Mm. Let's go. If Admiral Stockdale hadn't been seeping his mind and his character being shaped by the Stoic writings, he would have fallen apart in, in that, that prisoner camp like his colleagues did. Mm. But he had an anchoring that... He didn't know when he was reading that five years before that, hey, I'm going to need this to survive whenever mm. I'm shot down, break my leg twice, tortured. None of that was in view. It was just the process itself and doing that consistently enough to where it was in him. And like I said earlier, a glass can only spill what it contains. Yeah. And when he was knocked over, that's what came out. And that's how he survived. Same with Frankel. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. 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 Yeah, to those who have, like, much more will be given, and, yep. and yep. those who don't will be taken away. Mm -hmm. We don't like hearing that <laughs> because that kind of puts, if it's true, that says something about our choices up to this point and mm. where we're at. And we like the glory of a good opportunity without the accountability of how did we build up to that. Yeah. 
And that's everything is, are you going to be accountable for your own life? There's, uh, I forget the lady who said it. Uh, I could tell you the name of the book to give her somewhat credit. It's 15, maybe I can't tell you the name, 15 Steps to Conscious Leadership, I think. Something like that. You'll get there if you Google it. But she talks about, do you view life as happening to you or are you a passive viewer of everything and take offense to things that occur? Or do you say, okay, this is my life. I'm in control of what I'm in control of. And now I'm going to choose, again, between impulse and response, there's that moment. And that's the heart of stoicism, right, is is control what's within your domain. Mm. Be detached from everything else because it's out there and it doesn't necessarily say anything about you. It is not an affront to you. It's just life happens. People make choices. Storms come through. Financial systems collapse. You can't gauge what is going to be brought Mm -hmm. uh, into your life and what's going to land on your plate. But you could be the kind of person who is building up for whatever may come. And that, that I think is what gives you the, I don't know, the x-ray vision, the, the clarity with glasses, uh, whatever the best analogy is to see the opportunity Mm -hmm. that others don't see. Uh, it, it, It really trains you to be able to discern that and to act on it. Just if you or I look at the stock market right now, I, I can't speak for you, but for me, I don't know what to do. But you get Warren <laughs> Buffett in the room, he's going to see things different. Or a, a sommelier, yeah. I'm going to be like, that's some good red wine. I, <laughs> and if I drink enough, I know what's going to happen. They're going to sit there and tell you that it has hints of being adjacent to a cow farm that's in <laughs> Italy with, you know, this aged oak. that Very earthy. Yeah. And yeah. Yes. Like, you have to develop that palate. And the same with opportunity. You, ha- It is a mm-hmm. muscle that has to be flexed. It is a skill. And I, I guess the, the last thing I'll say about this, and then I'll shut up for a second, is if you're going to be wrong by trusting your gut, because that's the one thing that you'll have with you moving forward. It may be, if it's wrong, then you get to iterate on it. You get to yeah. refine it. Yeah. But... If you're going to be wrong by trusting yourself and really honing that in to where, like you said earlier, the, the difference between reaction and response, hopefully that there's less and less daylight in the sense of how quickly you can do it to where your response is intuitive. And it's this mm-hmm. muscle memory, just again, a, an athlete, mm-hmm. they don't think about how to catch a ball. It is just hours and hours on end of training and their body just does it because it knows what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And Approaching life, the amount of opportunities that we forego because we don't know they're there is just, it's, it's huge. It's <laughs> discouraging to think about potentially. Yeah. Uh, but in saying that, and if any listeners are discouraged, take heart because yeah. now you start looking for those opportunities. You can change that right now. So how did, in your own experience, I mean, we're probably not the experts to know exactly right. this, but how do you start changing your mindset? How do you start finding at least a target to start shooting at? When it comes to opportunity? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it will vary person to person, but the thing that I would imagine, and from my experience, whether it be back in my more clergy kind of days or now engineering leadership days, people tend to know, even if they can't exactly voice it or capture it with language, they know what it is that they want to work on mm. at least something. They may not know everything, but mm-hmm. they know they want their relationship with their, their partner to be better. They know they want their kids to, to excel in this or that, or to mm-hmm. know better, right from wrong. They know that they want to change jobs and they may not know exactly how or where to go, or what skills to develop, but they know something. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, back to that story days uh, paradox of just one grain of sand. 
do something with it. If it's the, the career change, start looking at maybe from the financial vector, what is it that you want to make? Is that the thing that's going to drive you? Mm. Maybe it's the kind of work that you want to do. Is it techie or is mm. it more people oriented? Geographical location. Exactly. Is it location? Mm. Find something and start there. The ancient Chinese proverb of uh, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Mm. And you don't have to have it all figured out after listening to this podcast. And I promise you won't. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't. You don't. Yeah, I don't. But what you can figure out is what that next step is. Mm-hmm. And then once you're there, you can see a little bit more clearly about the next step and then the next step. And this is you know, tying it back to engineering a little bit in product world, this idea of adaptive or agile development where yeah. you don't try to boil the ocean. You, you do one step at a time and you iterate. And like a bicycle is not a straight path. It's a constant balancing act of not falling over left and right, mm-hmm. left and right. Or I think Tony Robbins uses the example of, of using a, a boat and the rudder's constantly going left and right. Like, you don't just pick the point and go. You're constantly changing paths in mm. the most micro-changing type of, of fashion to get to that point that you see far off. Um, and obviously, to extend the analogy, there could be some rock in the middle of the lake that you're trying to traverse. There could be some alligators over here, and whatever the case is, some other boats you have to avoid. So you have to be ready to be adaptive around that stuff. But you don't need to know that to start. You just need a launch, whatever that first step is. So find it. And yeah. if you don't know, if you really feel like you don't know, make one up. Because guess what? You just created momentum in some direction, and you'll be able to channel that into a new direction once you get more clarity. You might not have the bullseye down for exactly. your target, but you have an idea and you can have a general target. And when you hit a bullseye, you'll get excited and you'll know it when it happens. And if you miss the target entirely, you'll know when that happens too. Figuring out where to shoot the arrows, what general vicinity do you need to start going on? Yeah, that's good. So engineering is probably famously not people oriented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, to me, an engineer, the stereotype is usually that they're not going to be very sociable yep. or that they're not going to be a people oriented person. So how have you traversed and found opportunity in, in people and the development of people within the area of engineering? Yeah. So great question. All right. Just to make sure I'm going in the right direction. And so that you have more to edit. Uh, <laughs> the right directions wherever you want to go. Right. Uh, <laughs> s- say it one more time because I'm thinking about it from two angles right now. It, it's just, it's hard to merge those worlds together yep. of thinking of the process and the platform and, and the engineering. And it can be easy to run over people, I imagine, within that process. Yep. If you're too focused on the engineering, you might run over people. If you're too focused on the people, you might miss out on some of the engineering things that you really need to have figured out. So how do you merge those two together or balance them? So one of my goals, I'll come at this uh, obliquely, is that as I'm building out the engineering organization at Combined Curiosity, a goal of mine or a measure of success, if you fast forward two years from now, is that the majority of the engineers, if not all of the engineers that we have on staff, if they chose to leave they could go get a product manager job or a product Mm. um, owner job of some sort because they're so product-minded. There are certain cases within tech where truly only caring about the bits and bytes is maybe legitimate, but generally speaking, and for the overwhelming majority of cases, tech is only as valuable as it's valuable to a person or to a group of people. Even the rocket ships that Elon's sending out into space is allegedly to where we have 
options <laughs> as we continue to ruin our earth. It's for the human species. And so getting those things right, whether it be your little widget or your spaceship, only matters because there's a person or a group of people on the other end of being successful with that. And so having that kind of people orientation is really critical to me. It's hard for me to not see, but one of the things I've realized is I have to help my engineers see that. And thankfully, some of them, they're, they're already there. And what I you mentioned running over, one of my ways of my, my management style or philosophy is I don't tell people, I tell people where to look, not what to see. If you create a culture, it helps to define the people that find themselves in it. And so finding those engineers or those individual contributors, whether it be a designer, engineer, product manager, who really will become staples of the kind of culture that I'm I'm attempting to create, who use the language of people and product first, not just mm -hmm. software engineer, but product engineer, things like that, that are very subtle, but over the course of time, you chip away at somebody who maybe otherwise is hardened towards the, the people aspect. Mm. And it's not because they're a bad person by any means. It's just that they are, they we love, have our tendencies. Yeah. They, they love tech yeah. and they've never had the epiphany of, Oh, tech matters because people matter. Not just because I want to program like that's go build an algorithm over the weekend. If you just want the, the puzzle element, go get the New York times on Sunday and do the crossword. If you want that, no, kind you of, do the wordle. Yeah. Wordle, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you want to build products here, you're doing it with somebody in mind. And so, yeah, just creating and fostering that culture, people tend to ride along. And if they don't, then that's toxic. And hopefully we've done a good job up front of vetting the person. And I would like to think I have a decent gut for that to where so far I've been very lucky and maybe some listeners will think that this is actually a, a blight on my career. And I, I guess that's a fair argument. I haven't had to let anybody go yet in mm. my, my career as a manager or director or now VP. I imagine it will happen. I don't pretend to think that I'll get all the way at the end of my career and that never happened. I've had to do some performance improvement discussions, had to have hard conversations. Generally, people, I believe, want to do yeah. good work. Yeah. And if there's something that is problematic with mm. the work and them, it's most like an environmental issue mm. that can be corrected if we can have open, honest discussion. Mm -hmm. you know, and if I treat them, again, not running over them, but treat them as a human who maybe is you know, having a fallout with their partner, maybe is over-leveraged in their mortgage, mm -hmm. they, they have stressors at home. I mean, for goodness sake, COVID now, just all the mm -hmm. extra layers to our psyche that we have to swim through today. And making sure that people are in a position wherein they can do their best work is just paramount to me. Because I, I trust if we can get them there, the code will write itself more or less. And obviously we have to be mindful of what that looks like and make sure we're solving the right problems. There's all that side of the house that we have to consider. But in terms of people management, it really is that. It's people management. Yeah. And I, I think so many managers forget that. But yeah, that's it. No, it's, it's a, a lot principle. of managers is more problem management than, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> than exactly. people. Uh, but that's some unconditional positive regard to people, seeing yep. the best yep. in them and believing that they have the best intentions in mind for not only you, but also for the company and the yeah. work that they're doing. And we're all just trying our best. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's very few bad actors out there. <laughs> so that's just kind of my approach is that I assume the best about this person and we go from there. That's mm. a good way to live, I think, too. Yeah. Better than assuming you'll, the you'll worst. You'll get burnt sometimes, but overall it'll be net positive. You'll yeah. get so much more out of life living that way. I totally, totally agree. Totally worth it. Totally. 
What are you learning right now? Anything? I'm learning JavaScript, uh, <laughs> modern JavaScript development. So because it's a, a younger company, I'm, I'm getting my hands uh, dirty with the code, which is great. I already have imposter syndrome to begin with, but more removed from code the last couple of years in my last position just made it worse. And then jumping into new toolings and frameworks that I'm unfamiliar with or less, much less familiar with at CC, at Combined Curiosity, has been good for me to remember, oh yeah, I, I do have some tech chops and I, I can jump in and learn mm-hmm. and make an impact with this despite all the meetings and all the other things I have to do and all the hiring memes that take hours you know, <laughs> on end for me to think of what's the funniest thing I can post on LinkedIn today. Gosh, it looks just like seamless. Like you're just getting on there on LinkedIn yeah. and posting a funny meme today. But yeah, thankfully I'm happy to hear that because that is the case. I spend maybe five minutes a day going to a meme generator and just finding a random one and plugging in some information. I, I have a backlog of them in my downloads folder because nice. I'll, I'll crank out over the 10 minutes. I'll crank out three, four, five of them and just sit on them and do one every day or two. So I like it's, it. it's yeah. working. <laughs> it's entertaining too. Much more entertaining than some of the other content that yeah. is available on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. I can't remember if I posted it or if I just did it and saved it and haven't posted it yet, but there's one that's even about haven't hired anybody yet, but I've made people smile with my hiring memes and that's enough. Adding a little bit of joy to the day, I think it's well worth the uh, the effort. Yeah. I think that's about time right okay. now to, to wrap it up, but any questions that you wish I would have asked or that I forgot to ask or no, I guess if we can do an opportunity at CC, I'm, I'm still hiring. That'd be a great plug. For yeah. Yeah. Listening. That's the next thing is uh, okay. how do listeners connect to any sort of resources or opportunities for, for listeners that, that you suggest? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, John Blythe, B L Y T H E, or that's my handle on Instagram, Twitter. I'm not super social person on there. I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon, but they exist for me. So you can hit me up at any of those or John at combinedcuriosity.com. One of the things that's been a pleasure of mine, I'm hiring right now for product and engineering roles and the company is hiring marketing as well and operations. So mm. lots of opportunity for listeners if they're interested in learning more. One of the joys of this process has been meeting a lot of people and there's been a lot more no's than yeses in both directions at this point. But being able to help people mm. after it's not a good fit, say, I talked to somebody last week. How about you talk to them and trying to connect dots? Yeah. Or right now, because we are in such a early stage, I need a lot of seniority to help build out the platform in a meaningful and scalable way. So very much want to be hiring more early career engineers later on in the year after we get that that first layer Mm-hmm. Um, of seniority. So I've had to tell a lot of early career engineers, this looks great. You seem awesome. Now is not the right time for us, but let's stay in touch. In the meantime, let me know how I can help. And that's how I've, most, if not all of my no's have been is let me know how I can be valuable. And there's been probably, I don't know, half a dozen to almost a dozen who have said, what should I be looking for? What would you suggest I do if this is my interest or my current skill set? And just being able to give back to people has been great. It's actually, incidentally, part of how I got to, to combine curiosity. I wasn't looking for a job. I met with somebody here local who runs Developer Town and said, hey, I'm working with a company in Boston. I can't imagine leaving Coastal Money. It's really nice. And I'm, I'm enjoying it overall, but I want to give back to Indy. So can you connect me with some people? And so he connected me with an early stage startup that I'm doing tech advisement for now called Sequence, which is 
a great group of, of ladies, three co-founders, one in Knoxville, one in Austin, one here in Indy, huh. that's helping to you know build something to change the, uh, the travel agent industry and how their workflows are. Really cool work there. And then he also, in this I can't remember if I said his name, Mike Kelly. He introduced me to Mike Cloran, who was one of the former DT partners, original partners, and Connor Love, who's the CEO of Combined Curiosity. And I thought this was another discussion about tech advisement opportunity. 45 minutes in, I realize they're interviewing me. And I walk away thinking, ah, eh, I'm not really that interested. But as I start to think more about what they were mm. doing and how I could help, it got me plugged in. So like this whole idea of full circle, now that I'm trying to hire, I'm plugging into the community because we're optimizing for local hires and being able to help people that otherwise I wouldn't be helping because I wouldn't be on LinkedIn posting ridiculous hiring memes and getting a lot of early career uh, applicants who now I get to invest in in very small ways, but just paying it forward in, in the smallest of ways adds up and things that are, I posted this, I can't remember if there's a meme attached, but something about Look, just because you can't offer somebody a job doesn't mean you can't offer them value. Yeah. And it's so cheap to spend 30, 90 seconds, whatever it is, to reply to this mm. person and give them 10 years of insight that they just don't have. Yeah. And for you, it takes Gosh, seconds. So valuable. Be generous. It's yeah. really easy. Be generous. And then you can be surprised at all the opportunities mm-hmm. that show up. Yeah. Truly. Like it's, it comes back around. Yeah. I, I can just see how. So many, uh, especially just starting out in your career, you don't know know (laughs) how it works after college and and just jumping right in. Unless you go to your your wonderful college career services department, which (laughs) I totally recommend if your college has one of those to go into the office and actually use those resources, please. I was in career services. So gotta get that, gotta get that plug in there for you. Please go to career services. But yeah, just, I I could see how valuable that would be. So I really appreciate you just giving back to and and agreeing to come on here and and chat with me. I I really appreciate that. So thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And, And listeners, thank you so much. We'll catch you next time as we continue to gain more opportunities for more people.